Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said podcast and a great big welcome to so many new listeners to this podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here and I am really thrilled that you're making this investment of time in yourself because that's what She Said, She Said podcast is all about. I have so many new episodes that are coming up over the course of the next several weeks, including our collaboration series with the Southern Cootery. I'll be rolling that out later this month so that you can experience a bit of the Southern Sea magic. But for those of you who are already very familiar with the Southern Sea, we're going to be doing a deeper dive with a few of the incredible women who are part of the Southern Sea Network. We are just coming off of the Southern Sea's annual summit, which was fantastic. It was such a great time to connect with old friends, as well as make some new ones and to really collaborate and connect and create together. So more on all of that in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, if you don't know about the Southern Sea, you'll find a link in the show notes where you can learn more. For today, however, we're going to tackle perception, reality, and an interesting approach to building the muscle that's needed to shape our perception and ultimately our reality. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever totally misread a situation? Maybe it was one where you were so convinced that what you thought was happening was happening, but in fact, your perception was completely off. Maybe you missed some critical element in a conversation, or perhaps, maybe even more likely, your focus was geared too internally on your own emotion causing you to miss some critical clues. Okay, we've all been there, right? Some of us more times than we might like to admit. So why does this happen? And perhaps most importantly, how can we train ourselves to get better at learning to read and decipher those important clues? This week's guest has an interesting approach that has been informed by her fascinating career journey and how she has learned to build the skills needed to help us decipher those often tricky, hard-to-read clues. Christina Eanes is a former FBI violent crime analyst turned author, career coach, professional speaker, and podcast host. 
I actually joined Christina on an episode of her podcast, which is called Quit Bleeping Around. I love the title. And we talked about what I've learned about influence and how we can build it. You can find that conversation in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 231. It's a really good one because it complements what we're talking about here today. Here's the thing about how perception can shape our reality. It can also impact your influence by coloring situations in a way that can ultimately drive and change their outcome versus approaching them more openly. Now, mindset, as you may have guessed, also plays an incredibly important role here. Christina and I talk about all of that, and we also talk about how accountability drives her approach, her her books, and her teaching. And we talk about the power of managing our energy versus managing our time. That's another area that Christina focuses a lot of her work on as well. So here is episode 231, my conversation with Christina Eanes. Christina, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you. As listeners know, because I've already mentioned this, this is part of a podcast exchange that we have been doing where I joined you on Quit Bleeping Around, which I loved the name of your podcast. And now today you're joining me on She Said, She Said. So I'm really excited to have you. Oh, thank you. So let's jump right in, and I'd love for you to tell listeners a little bit about what you do and how you got started in this work. My career has taken some some turns, we'll call it. I actually started out as a crime analyst with the local police department in California. And actually before that in college, I was a biology major. I made it to the third year of college as a biology major. And then I realized I don't really care what a Golgi apparatus is or how RNA does whatever it does to DNA. Or you know, <laughs> It's a good thing I learned, right? And I, I always thought of law enforcement as a hobby and, and interesting. So I switched everything over to that. I love puzzles, so you'll see some themes throughout my <laughs> my career here. I love puzzles, so I thought, okay, let's go into crime analysis. So I started out with the local PD in California, and then I hit the highest level you could get in the organization at age 30, and I thought, I want to go bigger. I want to have a bigger impact on the world. So I joined the FBI as a crime analyst with the Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, so VICAP for short. And I had a lot, it was very fulfilling. I almost want to say I had a lot of fun, but I know some people are like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun job because I got to work with uh, local federal, state and law enforcement officers and helping them uh, with their serial homicides and sexual assaults. So it was very rewarding. Again, there's a theme of puzzles there uh, and, and just building rapport with others and getting them on board with our program. And then there was a training component to it as well, which I loved. And after a few years, you'll see a theme here, I wanted to broaden my horizons. I wanted to get promoted. And I thought, you know what, I love training. So let's do that full time. So I became a senior manager in the leadership development program and a couple of teams of folks. And we trained anywhere from line level up to executive level leaders in the organization on soft skill related stuff. And again, I fell in love with it. Um, and I, I wanted more freedom in how I did that. And I wanted to get back being the one in the classroom instead of 
supervising others in the classroom. And so once my kids left the house, I opened up my own company, gosh, almost 10 years ago. It was uh, 2014. Um, and I haven't looked back since. So I own my own training company and we do uh, soft skills related training as well as I do speeches and uh, participate and have a couple of podcasts of my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is the most fascinating background <laughs> to get from where you were to where you are. And I would love for you to connect the dots a little more for the audience in how you made those pivots at these different juncture points, because it would seem at first blush that these things have nothing in common. Absolutely. But you've mentioned a couple of times the puzzle piece, you know, the fact that you loved puzzles and loved figuring things out. Help us connect the dots with yes. how you made those different transitions. Because I know this is a big part of what you do today as you're advising folks and coaching them. Absolutely. Well, so the theme throughout my life has been puzzles. So figuring out puzzles, problem solving puzzles, relationships, which is where the influence part mainly comes in, right? And then wanting to make a bigger impact in some form or fashion uh, or impact others in some sort of positive way. So that's the theme throughout. Uh, so training and analysis, essentially. Now, how I weaved my way through that was through the relationships that I built. And that's how I've been able to actually get all of the different positions that I have, as well as being a successful business owner, right? Is building those relationships. So when I was in college, I went and did an internship at a local PD. And I really embedded myself in there and built relationships. So when it came time for the crime analyst to retire, who took over? Um, when I wanted to join the FBI, I started developing relationships with the analysts that were uh, assigned to us. And um, that's how I, I, was, uh, I stood out with a thousand applicants for that position. When it came to going into the leadership development program, I actually went and asked the leader of the group um, to be my mentor and had her get to know me over about six months. And then I worked my way into there. And then I started doing the same thing when I opened up my own business too. Yeah. I mean, that's a really important, um, what you've just talked about this, you know, and obviously we talk about influence on She Said, She Said podcast. That's yes. a big theme that runs throughout all of my episodes. But maybe dig in a little bit deeper in terms of this notion of relationships and how this theme of relationships and how incredibly valuable they can be to helping a person become more influential to build that influence in her career. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, what Robert Cialdini's um, principle of likability, right? We like folks that are similar to us. And, and uh, I always love to say when I talk about influence, we use our powers for good. Right? So we are building those relationships, not necessarily expecting to get anything out of them. Um, I, I just show up, I want to be helpful, I want them to get to know me, I try to connect with them on a human level. Um, and things happen <laughs> from there. So it's really about building that rapport. And, and I've done that in my other positions too. Like when I was a violent crime analyst, part of my job was to get agencies on board with us to submit their violent crime cases to us. So we'd have more in the database and we would be able to solve more crimes. And so I would start with building relationships. And it's really about just getting to know people, remembering uh, kids' names, fur baby names, you know, when they went on vacation, actually caring about them. Um, and it's amazing 
what comes back from that. Yeah, and building that credibility through Absolutely. that rapport, you're building that credibility as well. Yeah. yeah, you do have to have something to back it up as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, you, you've talked about puzzles, and I was really intrigued with one of your keynote speeches, something that you talk about a lot, is this notion of how life is like an escape room. And so, you know, I'm hearing this theme of puzzles and problem solving and innovation and this idea of the escape room. Talk us through what you mean by that. How is life like an escape room? Yes. Um, and actually, uh, so my third book is on that as well as I'll be launching a podcast with the same title. Oh, no kidding. Congratulations. So, so this was This will be your third, of, your third podcast, second podcast? Yeah. So I'm a co-host <laughs> of the Beltway Broadcast through my training association, which is another great way of building relationships, right? A professional associations um, for influence. Anyway, uh, so that one, uh, quit bleeping around. That is actually going to wind down after the 400th episode because I really want to dive deeper and to give more attention to the, the podcast, the Escape Room podcast. So life is an escape room. My husband and I started doing, actually my daughter, we'll call it, roped us in to doing an escape room for her 21st birthday. And I thought, okay, why would I want to go get locked in a room to do puzzles when I can do them at home on <laughs> board games? <laughs> but you know, it was her birthday, so we went. Um, we took her to one and we fell in love. Uh, six years later, we are at uh, 761 as of the recording of this episode in 20 countries in like 22 states. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So we're a little, it, it's, a, it's an obsession. But, but as we're doing these, we realized, so traditionally they're for fun, one, and two for team building. But as we're doing them, we realized, wait a minute, there's a lot you can learn about yourself in escape rooms as well as practice in a safe environment, and particularly in relation to perception, how we view the world and our ability to, which is very important for influence, right? Our ability to shift our perspective to see from others' points of view. Um, so perception, emotional intelligence, the awareness of our emotions, how to manage them, the awareness of others' emotions and how to best interact with them based on whatever emotion they're displaying at that time. And then communication. And, you know, very simple ways that ideas that we can keep in our head, like relationship first, when we're communicating with others, that will help us communicate with them better. So if you're doing escape rooms with intention, you're both observing your behaviors and your skills in these areas, as well as the ability to work on them. So we'll go into an escape room and think, okay, uh, this one is going to be intense. I really want to work on my emotion management during this one. Um, and then we debrief when we get done doing an escape room. You know, how did that work? Did, were you able to work on what you wanted to work on? So the idea that we could use these types of experiences essentially to develop ourselves is all about life's an escape room. Okay, that is so fascinating. <laughs> maybe Maybe give us a few examples of sort of how you see particular behaviors, maybe things Ooh. that you might want to work on, or maybe things that, you know, maybe you have, if, if you're using it as a team building exercise, and maybe some behaviors that reveal themselves really clearly in the escape room scenario that maybe have been harder to pinpoint in real life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. I have so many stories. I'm going to try to figure out which one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fascinated by this. And then, of course, I want you to be thinking about the recommendations for the best escape rooms for, you know, maybe exploring. So we can include that in the show notes. Oh, of course, of course. So I think one uh, story in particular hits a lot of different areas, especially when it comes to influencing others. And that is our perception creates our reality. Mm. So how we expect a situation to go or a relationship to go or an experience to go creates our reality. Um, And I have permission from my husband to share this because I love this story in relation to that. So having done so many escape rooms, we really, so don't think this is normal, right? We really like those extra different ones. Um, Just the novelty ones, the ones that aren't the same as, as as most of the other ones. So this is one of those. Um, we were excited about it. We do escapecations. So we'll go to a certain area of the country or the world and do about mm, up to 30, 35 escape rooms in a week. I know. Oh, my gosh. Again, we're That's obsessed. incredible. <laughs> so this particular one, uh, we I was very excited about because there would be a, a, a live zombie in the, in the room. Well, okay, an undead actor, uh, undead zombie played by a live actor. Okay. Um, and I've heard of them before where the zombie is chained. And then as the time gets long, uh, you know, as you get closer to the deadline, the chain extends and the zombie can come closer to you. Well, this one would be free roaming. So I was very excited about that. Um, so as we were, I was really listening to the game master, which is the person that, that pre-briefs you before you go in. They, they watch you. They give you hints. Uh, they just kind of like a guide in the sky, if you will, because they watch you very via cameras and will communicate with you via audio. Uh, so I was listening very closely when they were giving us the pre-brief, the rules and all of that stuff. My husband was not. <laughs> so uh, what I heard her say was, yes, there is a live actor in the room, you know, playing a zombie. Uh, they can't come after you until you find the Nerf guns. And then you're able to shoot them in the chest. On There's a bullseye on their chest. Please, no headshots. <laughs> safety first um and you know uh, they'll you if they if they touch you you have to like stand for like i don't know a minute or something so my husband heard there's a zombie in the room and he's free roaming <laughs> <laughs> so we actually start out separate we were both in these uh, dark storage rooms and we had uh, walkie talkies to communicate with each other too and it's just and the two of you in the room yeah yeah and so the, he was in his room i was in mine yeah we usually just do just both of us. And we had the walkie-talkie that we were communicating with each other. We each had different things on the walls and stuff that we needed to let the other one know so that we could do puzzles in each of our rooms. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, when the zombie comes, I'm going to mess with it. And, and not long after it did, it came and it was banging on the door and growling. And I pretended like I was in the bathroom. I said, I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> so I was having fun with it, right? My perception is zombie can't get us until we find Nerf guns. I'm going to have fun. Um, so I worked my way into a second room and I actually had to walk through a wall locker. It looked like it was just a regular wall locker. You open it up. It's an entrance to another room. I, I walked in there. I started messing with the room. And then I saw the zombie come in the room and it, I laughed because he was in full makeup. It was really cool. And he slammed the door. But then I heard at this point over the walkie-talkie, sir, don't close that gate. That's a health and safety issue. So I asked my husband, what's going on? 
He said, well, the zombie's trying to get me and I was, I have to close the gate so that he can't get to me. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so we finally make it into the third room where we, we both are reunite. And he's just, he's sweating. He's nervous. He's having trouble focusing on uh, the clues. And I said, what is going on? He goes like, the zombie, he's coming. He's, he's going to, I've seen him twice. He's going to come get us. I'm like, did you hear? We can't. You know, we can't, um, uh, we, he can't do anything until we find the Nerf guns. And besides, he's a slow one. He's not a World War Z zombie. We could, one of us could distract him while the other one walks around the room and solves puzzles. So <laughs> long story short, essentially, we do get out of there. And um, at the end, I'm excited. I'm ready to do the other four rooms that we've got scheduled. And he's exhausted. He's like, oh, I don't, he had to take a break before we got into the next room. But we each had the exact same experience and we walked in with a different idea of what it was going to be. And we each experienced what we thought it was going to be. And there's so much we do that in life to ourselves, right? You expect uh, that a coworker or a colleague is going to be troublesome. So every type of interaction you have with them, you view that through that lens and that's what you're going to see, you know, versus maybe expecting a, an event or a presentation to go amazing. Uh, or, you know, trying to influence someone through a, a sales presentation or something, then that's what you're going to get. So we have the power to create our own reality, essentially. Are, are we are creating it in a way that it empowers us is the question. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, we talk a lot about mindset on this podcast. And it strikes me that this really is very consistent with kind of how you go into a situation. What is your mindset? What is the story that you're telling yourself and that maybe you're telling the world? Maybe talk about sort of mindset as an extension of how you think about using these escape rooms to illustrate these behaviors. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, and so then what you do is you go into the next escape room and you set a mindset of what I'm going to experience. Like we went into, oh, the poor game master was a little disappointed because uh, it was like the number one horror room in Florida. <laughs> and we went in and we were just having so much fun because we had set the intention of this is a fun experience. Let's see what they can come up with that is cool in regards to horror or scariness. And we were having so much fun. We were laughing. Uh, we were <laughs> just, it was fun. So setting that intention before you go in, we actually saw a couple go in before us and they left after 10 minutes because uh, they couldn't handle the the scariness. And it was mm. because that's what they were expecting. So Interesting. essentially setting an intention before you go into that situation and then reminding yourself of that intention if it starts moving, right, for the mindset that you want to have. Uh, and that's enabled us to do a lot uh, in life, not just escape rooms. Yeah. Maybe talk about how you use this tool and this, you know, this perspective that you've gained through this, you know, you're, you're having these interactive experiences, which is really illustrating, right, life, essentially yes. through a game. Maybe talk about how you use that as a tool and how you're helping to coach people using that mm. perspective. Yeah. So um, as a tool, before any time I go in, before I do uh, like a speaking engagement or even just a basic workshop uh, or a sales presentation for potential new clients, I set a mindset and intention of this is going to be amazing. Especially if you start feeling nerves, I'm excited. 
right? Instead of I'm nervous, I'm excited. This is amazing. This is going to go very well. I am prepared. These people are going to love it. You stand differently. You use different words. You're more animated. It's just, a, and it's a great way to build rapport, right? And likability <laughs> with others. So setting that intention. And, and when I work with folks, I recommend that they do the same thing. Before I walk in, it's right, curtain up. I'm on stage. How am I going to show up? And then reminding yourself of that as you go through the experience. It is amazing what one little sentence in your head holding it in there can change your entire countenance and how you interact with others. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one of your sort of, I guess, overall philosophies, or maybe your overall philosophy is this idea of life happening versus making it happen. Yes. Maybe talk about sort of that mantra and how you apply it in situations where, you know, it's chaos around you. You know, you've you, things are not going the way you had planned. Maybe you have been fired or laid off or you've had a major career setback. Maybe talk about how you apply this philosophy in that situation and help your clients kind of pull out of that. Awesome. Yes. So I like to combine two different things, which I guess... Yeah, we'll say combine two different things. Uh, I love accountability. I love teaching that in as many courses as I can. If anyone has ever heard of the ladder of accountability, just Google it. It's really cool. It shows where you're at as far as accountability goes. The top of the accountability ladder is make it happen. That's where you're acknowledging reality. You're taking ownership of it, whether you created it or not. <laughs> you're finding solutions and you're implementing them. And then the other concept would be a growth mindset. And that's that we can develop ourselves you know, our, our skills, our abilities are not fixed. We can always grow and develop. So putting those two together, it's, and you can make your own reality, right? It's regardless of what is happening externally, you have complete control over how you view it, how you view things in life and how you respond, right? So are you uh, responding as, and I hate to call it a victim mentality, um, but a less accountability uh, mentality, we'll call it, right? Where um, things are happening to you versus you're making things happen. Um, instead, yes, this happened. Like say, for example, maybe someone got laid off. This happened. It may be very hard to see it right now, but this may be one of the best things that's happened to me. So what's this next chapter? How am I going to make that happen? Uh, relationships ending, right? Divorce, um, bad things happening in relationships. This has happened. What can I learn from it? How can I move on? Just keeping that mindset. Again, mindset, right? Yeah. Keeping that in the forefront of your mindset. What have I learned from this? You know, how can I take action based on what I've learned to respond in the most healthy way manner? Yeah. Maybe talk about how you developed that particular mantra and philosophy. Was it how you were raised? Was it your academic journey? Was it your your journey through law enforcement and these different career juncture points? Maybe talk about sort of how you arrived at this philosophy and how this became so embedded in the work that you do today. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean, uh, the first five years was pretty rough with my mom being a single mom and struggling herself. Um, so we learned a lot of adversity, uh, not adversity, overcoming adversity, you know, early in life. 
And then I think that was just one built in and then continually developed. Uh, like my, my father who came along when I was five, I like to call him my father, my dad <laughs> came along. He taught me a lot, especially through sports. You're right. That uh, focus, that drive, that perseverance, and then just seeing stuff happen in law enforcement and just in people's lives, realizing that stuff happens, right. And it's going and horrible stuff happens. Um, but there's this thing called post-traumatic growth right? People that have chosen to grow from the bad stuff that's happened in their lives. And I decided early on and continually decide, this is a regular choice, right? That I want to grow from things and not let them uh, knock me over. Now, sometimes, right? When we just have a lot of stuff going on at one time, give yourself permission to have a pity party <laughs> to move through it and then figure out, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm not just a survivor, I'm a thriver. How am I going to handle this? Um, and then that's kind of in all of the work that I do today, right? That's part of emotional intelligence um, is building that resilience. Yeah. Maybe give us some examples, if you could, maybe some easy tools or some easy things that folks can do to help them increase their capacity mm. for being able to weather those challenges and having more of a, of a growth mindset, sort of facing those things in that way that you just talked about? Absolutely. So um, when things are really tough, honestly, giving yourself time to have a pity party, like when we went on lockdown for COVID, I gave myself a three-day pity party. <laughs> I mean, three full days, and that's a lot for me, um, where I was allowed to sit on the couch, not take a shower if I didn't want to, and just Netflix binge, just a three-day pity party. And then I decided at the end of that three days, it's time to figure out how am I going to live in this new normal. So giving yourself a, an allotted time to feel your emotions, to work through them. Obviously, we're talking about normal, healthy emotions. If you feel like you are really struggling, you know, talk to someone, talk to a therapist or something, um, get some help. However, normal everyday emotions of feeling down, put a time limit on it, work through it, and then figure out what you're going to do next. Um, oh, gosh, what was the thing I was going to say on that? So, yeah, give yourself time. And then there's a few things that... It, this sounds weird and it's hard to do, but I've trained myself to actually do it in the moment for some pretty yucky stuff. Um, so something is happening in the moment. Okay, what gifts is this bringing me? Mm, I love that. That's one of the questions that I asked. And sometimes, sometimes it's really hard to identify, you know, you, you need to give yourself that little pity party. Um, but one of the questions I ask are, what are the gifts this is bringing me? And, and sometimes you can't identify it right away. Like, for example, um, when my father passed, uh, fought four or five years battle uh, with pancreatic cancer. So mm, he... I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, that was, it was 15 years ago, but yeah, still, you. that's, that's uh, tough. Yeah, yeah. But uh, watching him um, go through that. And then once he did pass, I was asking, I gave myself again a pity party. And then I asked myself, what gifts has this brought me? And one, I realized how short life was. So I was able to get out of a, a negative relationship, right? And then, and to just grab life by what the horns, whatever, whatever the term is, you know, and run with it. Um, so anytime something happens, what gifts is this bringing me, 
right? What am I learning from this? And I've been able to do it several times lately in, in the moment, helping me move through something. Sometimes you have to wait till you can get some perspective, but that's the other thing that helps. And, and I teach that too, three gifts. Yeah. I love that. I really, really love that. One of the other topics I want to make sure that I have you talk about, because it's still the new year, we're only a few weeks in, there's a lot of folks, really, the majority of people, I'm told, although studies are a little bit iffy, but the majority of people set some kind of goals or resolutions, and then <laughs> only about 8% of people ultimately stick with them past February. Yes. And I've heard you talk about the importance of not just managing your time, mm-hmm. but also another element that's really important. So maybe talk about why time management might not, might not be the be-all end-all that some folks think it is and how that relates to goal setting. Absolutely, yeah. Or goal stickiness, really. Yes, goal stickiness, <laughs> yes. Um, so that is actually the secret to super productivity uh, that I have developed. Although for goal setting, for appropriate goal setting to get yourself motivated, I recommend the book Hard Goals, uh, which is a great resource. So I know, so this hardgoals.com I know is the website for it. Um, so that's that one that helps just intrinsically setting your goals where there's natural motivation involved. Um, but rather than managing our time, I recommend managing your energy. And I I know there's other folks who have spoken about this too as well, but I like to put a system around it. And it's looking at what your natural energy fluctuations are throughout the day and working within them. Mm. Always, uh, although realizing that we can't always work within them. So the first step is to know what those are, right? Know what your natural energy fluctuations are. So I am most energetic in the morning. So I am going to do those tasks that require the most energy in the morning. Now, here's where it gets sticky. When you're at high energy, your natural inclination is to get all those like 20 easy tasks done because you can blow through them. And then when it comes time to do that energy intensive task, you're exhausted. So you wait till the next day, (laughs) right? And then... What happens? You have a lot of energy, so you get those 20 tasks done. So nope, you're only allowed to do the high energy tasks when you're at high energy and you gotta get them done. That also kind of helps with procrastination. Yeah. Now we can't always control our schedule. So the second step of this process is to know your energy consumers and your energy creators. When you can't necessarily work based on your energy flow, you can still find ways to increase your energy and decrease the opportunities for other things to take away your energy. So an example of an energy creator, universal for all of us, is self-care, right? Making sure we got enough sleep, making sure that we're eating, uh, we're getting up, moving around, getting oxygen into our brains. Uh, Positive emotions also help bring us energy, which also brings us to the energy consumers. So those things that take energy away from us, some People are energy vampires for us, right? Just five minutes in their presence and we're like, oh, <laughs> right? So limiting perhaps our, um, our interactions with them would be an energy consumer. Uh, distractions, multitasking takes away energy because our brain is trying to move back and forth from one task to the other. Uh, there's really no such thing as multitasking according to the studies. I agree with, by the way, right? So being aware of what takes our energy away, what brings us energy. And then uh, the third step is to work that into your schedule. So minimize those energy consumers, 
maximize those energy creators to help you have enough energy to get through the day when you can't organize your schedule based on your energy level. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, one of our other recent podcast guests is a woman named uh, Dr. Laura Camaccio, who is a communications coach. And she does a lot of work with introverts in particular Mm, who can have challenges with effective communication strategies. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. She works with really, really bright clients, but oftentimes it can be difficult to articulate that. And it strikes me as you're talking about these different dimensions and energy vampires that our you know, how we define ourselves, or maybe just how we're wired as it relates to being an introvert or an extrovert can also play into which things are more likely to recharge our energy versus which things are likely to drain us too. Do you find that to be the case as well? Yeah. So those that are more extroverted, they get their energy from being around people. So an energy creator for them would be some sort of social event or interaction with, you know, coworkers. Whereas someone who's more on the introverted introverted side of the scale, it is a continuum, right? Um, In order for them to get energy, they would need to spend time alone to recharge. Versus, you know, like I like I have to be around people all day in a conference. So this morning, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm not going to look at anyone. And then when I get home, same thing, right? So so understanding that is is very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you work with folks too, and and one of the topics that you tackle is how to help folks not get in their own way. Um, I don't think we've touched on that yet in this conversation, but I'd love for you to give listeners some examples of things that you have encountered with clients of folks getting in their own way. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, earlier it was uh, my husband not listening to the directions, right? And, And having a perception of there's a zombie in here to get me. So one of the things I ask folks when they're coming up against something, like maybe there's an individual that they just have trouble um, uh, communicating with, or maybe it's a goal that they've just been trying to go after and they can't. First thing, look at yourself, right? There's this based off of Chris Ardress's work, a late Harvard professor. Um, He came up with the ladder of inference and um, like double loop learning. There's a lot of great work he did, but essentially he's looking at um, when we want to go after a goal and we perhaps don't get the results that we do, most people just stop, right? They they just don't do anything. Uh, They didn't get the results. Okay, whatever. I can't do it. Um, The second set of folks will go back and be like, okay, let me try something else. Let me try something else. Let me try something else to get different results. Very rarely will people go back three levels and look at how did my thinking get me the results that I'm getting and how can I change my thinking to get different results? So looking at how your thinking is getting in the way. So if you find that you're struggling against something, uh, going after a goal, communicating with a coworker effectively in a personal relationship, you first want to go back and look at how are my thoughts getting in the way and doing this through a bunch of reflection, talking to others, maybe a coach, Um, Talking to someone who thinks differently than you is hugely important. There's a lot of different ways you can do that, but question your thinking first is is the mantra, essentially. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. That's great. 
Um, I know you said you're you're going to be sunsetting. Quit bleeping around. But I have I've loved it. Um, I oh. hope my listeners will check it out. I'd love to know where the title came from because it is very unique. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually my coach at the time, um, who has since passed, but she left an amazing mark there when I was first starting my business, and I can't remember what I was saying, but she knows I need direct and challenging. I mean, she knew I needed that. <laughs> so she told me to quit effing around yeah, <laughs> and go after it or whatever. I was talking to her about the thing and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> so quit bleeping around and go after what you want in life. <laughs> it's essentially why I named it that is because my coach asked me that question or told me to that. do that, I should say. <laughs> I love that. You know, we, we talked to a lot of of uh, female founders and entrepreneurs. We have a lot of listeners who are female founders and entrepreneurs or aspiring female entrepreneurs. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you developed your business and how you think about these different tools like podcasting, like writing books of which you've written several, what, three, four, five books? I'm not sure, I've lost I've three. lost track. <laughs> three. Um, you've written several books. Maybe talk a little bit about how you went about building your business and and using these tools and the value that that they that they provide if 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 they do i mean assuming that you're you're doing them so they yes. do provide value but maybe talk a little bit about the thought process behind using these various tools to promote your business awesome well i would love to say i strategically planned out my business in the most mastermindly way <laughs> but i did not it uh, it has been an evolution of yeah. uh, tries tries and learnings, we'll call them, right? So I first started out as a, a coaching business, uh, coaching and consulting. And then I realized while I was having impact on others, you'll see the theme here, I wanted to have a bigger impact, <laughs> right? So I wanted reach more to- more people. Yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. to reach more people. So um, I wrote the first book and then launched the podcast which was, it was helpful, you know, it, it was helpful, but I still wanted to have a bigger reach. So I thought, okay, well, I have a background in training, let's get into training. So I be, I, I got a, um, but I wanted to do it in the fastest way possible. So I um, did a franchise with a business partner. And that was a lot of work for not a lot of return on investment. Uh, and I was delivering other people's stuff. So I learned, I thought, you know what? No, we need to take the time. I need to start doing what brings me joy and what I'm best at because that's what's going to bring folks in, you know, right? When I'm developing uh, those relationships and influencing others, right? You sure. need to be passionate about it too. Otherwise, why are they going to be passionate if you can't be passionate about it? Right. Um, so I just started building up my own curriculum. Um, gave the the business to the, the business partner, started building up my own curriculum and under my own company name so that I could do a lot of different things. So that's where the, uh, the quit bleeping around and then the secret to super productivity and the life is an escape room. So I have a lot of different outlets that I can do. And then a training catalog of soft skills training that we do for client organizations. Um, so it was an evolution over the last almost 10 years. And it was, it was nice because, I mean, it took a while to ramp up and then things exploded like in, uh, in, in 2019. Um, so I've been just living the dream since then. It's been amazing. I love that. 
I'm wondering if sort of the progression that you took had an impact on, I mean, I don't know whether you suffer from self-doubt. Most people do, you know, and just maybe imposter syndrome and, you know, can I really do this sort of thing? But in the way that you went about this, did that help you tackle any of those doubts as you were thinking about really going out on your own? Yeah, you know, um, it almost, so I think the last time I had imposter syndrome was when I switched from crime analysis to leadership development. So that was, gosh, 15, almost 20 years ago. It was almost like when I became an entrepreneur, I was returning to my roots. So I had absolutely no doubt that I would figure it out. I knew it would take time (laughs) and patience and that there would be struggle. So I went in with that idea. And it did. It took time, patience, and it was struggle. And I think it was because of the growth mindset of the experiences of maybe going through imposter syndrome when I first switched careers was very helpful in that. And I remember someone asked me at one point, is there anything you'd go back and change? And I said, absolutely not, because that has made me who I am today. Those struggles, you know, going through that um, and just being sure of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be difficult, though. I mean, I'd Absolutely. love if you, if you have advice for the listener who's out there as she's maybe making that career pivot, maybe she's moving into something that's dramatically different like you did mm-hmm. uh, from what you were doing before, maybe advice for getting that imposter syndrome and self-doubt under control. Mm, yeah. So one, being okay to make mistakes. Uh, that was huge, right? Uh, going from that mindset, being okay, it, it's okay to make mistakes. And matter of fact, uh, reaching out and asking for help, you know, from mentors, from those, there's a lot of people that want to support us, right? And finding that support system, asking for help, and then listening to that little quiet voice inside that's saying, you can do this, you got this right? And maybe quieting those negative voices that are often coming from other folks. Um, We've internalized, right? Those negative voices are coming from other folks, maybe from our childhood, maybe from something that happened sometime along the way. But listening to that, that little, the the voice that's a little quieter and, and saying that you got this and trusting that, as well as, of course, having the support system, I think is huge. Yeah, I love that. Okay, Christina, before I let you go, um, I'd love for you to share maybe your top three escape rooms across the country since you have had this experience with so many. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Or or maybe your one favorite, maybe one that jumps out in your mind that you think, oh my gosh, everyone should experience this. Let's see. Okay, so in the world, I would say the dome in the Netherlands. Okay. I can't remember the actual city, but if you just query the dome in the Netherlands, it'll pop up. It was amazing. And the idea is that you're taking part in a hallucination experiment. Mm. And it really does feel like you're hallucinating at points. And not because they're pumping in stuff that's legal in certain areas. (laughs) It was amazing. Uh, US-based, I would say... Oh, then I love so many different escape rooms, but I would say the most memorable would be 13th Gate in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In particular, those that are Goonies fans, the uh, Cutthroat Cavern is a huge one. 
Okay, awesome. We will yeah. include links in the show notes for these as well. <laughs> Christina, where can folks find you if they'd like to work with you? Oh, awesome. Uh, ChristinaEans.com or EansTraining.com. Either one. Fantastic. Oh, this has been terrific. I really loved the conversation. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Hey, friend, thanks for joining me today. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode and also any experiences that you've had where your perception colored your reality in a way that actually moved the outcome, maybe in a less than desirable direction. I think this happens so often and sometimes it's a matter of really thinking about and reflecting on what happened, what actually happened that helps us understand this dimension of our emotion and how it may be impacting our influence. In the meantime, friend, you will find links to Christina's website in the show notes for this episode. Again, it's episode 231. The best place to find the show notes is on my website at she said, she said podcast.com. There on the website, you will also find a free downloadable transcript of this episode as well. And friend, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing some love with me in the form of a review or send me a message via the contact link in the show notes, or you can message me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. You can also send me an email directly. The address is info at she said dot media. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, you take care and I'll talk to you soon. She Said, She Said podcast is produced weekly by She Said, She Said Media.